Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me tell you something. If the weight you're carrying is too heavy, it's not the weight that God meant for you to carry. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. God, during the worship service, spoke to Loria, and, and he has a word he'd like to give to the church. Because I am a pastor that believes that we need to understand all the things that happen in church. When a word is given or a tongue comes forth, yes, we are a church that believes In speaking in tongues, we are a church that believes in the entire gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about God giving words through prophets, through prophetesses, through men, women of God. And so today, uh, God is going to give us a word through Miss Loria. So I want you to listen diligently to what the word of the Lord would be. As we were singing here in your presence I don't know who this is for but I know it's for more than one so if it's okay pastor can we can I go back and sing the song just for a second the chorus here in your presence bound in your hand fullness of joy Every fear suddenly wiped away. Here in your presence, all of my gains now fade away. Every crown. Heaven is trembling. Heaven is trembling in all your wonder. Kings and your kingdoms shall stand in
here in your presence. Here in your presence. All things are new. of your holy God all things all things become new thank you Lord there's something God desires more than anything and that's to spend time with him we live in a crazy world and a lot of people have told me and I hear the word of the Lord what it's what he's saying this morning is we got to stop. we got to stop and spend time. Pastor, I don't have time. Folks, the only time you'll ever have is the time you make. That's the only time you're going to ever have. Because I can promise you, you give the enemy opportunity, he'll make sure you have no time. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning, would you? Appreciate our worship team. Don't they do a tremendous job? If you have your Bibles this morning quickly, I want to get you out of here in a, at a decent hour. If you're new here, I try every Sunday to get you out by three. Oh, I can see people getting nervous already. Matthew chapter 6. I've been plowing in the garden of God's grace. Two weeks ago, I I taught on a subject that most of us probably don't like to hear, but all of us desperately need to hear, and that's the subject of patience. Last week, we talked about patriotism. And the difference between being independent or free. 
How many learned there's a big difference between independence and freedom? Too many are looking for independence when Jesus didn't come to make you independent. He came to make you free, which requires great dependence. Because without him, we can do nothing. Can somebody say amen? Today, I want to continue the, the garden of God. I'm not really calling it that. I'm calling it living a victorious Christian life. But, uh, and I want to talk about purposely planning for peace. Before you look at your notes, I want you to look at me. Most of us do not experience the peace God wants us to have because we do not plan for it. Yes, you got to plan if you're going to live in peace. As I said a moment ago, and the word of the Lord was, was coming, you know, do you want to be in his presence? you got to make a decision because the devil will rob you blind. He'll make sure you have no time. He'll make sure you have no peace. Life, I don't know if this is a a newsflash to anybody, but life is full of difficulties, complexities, adversities. I suppose the most consistent thing about life is the fact that it's inconsistent. I wrote down some thoughts and I want to read them to you. Choosing not to be neatly categorized Life has opted to be a tossed salad of tragedies and triumphs, profanity and purity, despair and hope. How many find what's on the screen to be true? The bad is perplexingly closed to the good. The just is frightening near to the unfair. Evil paradoxically close to goodness. And life, life is always a clock's tick away from death. It's as if there's only a sheer curtain that separates the two. But I put on there something I want you to understand. This is normal. Relax and enjoy the ride. It's called life. I don't mean to make it sound trite, but ladies and gentlemen, Peace is something we have to plan to have. I I can wake up every morning, and when I get up and I go before the Lord and I pray and I spend time uh, on my back deck and, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be sometimes sitting in one of our chairs or I'll be walking back and forth. Throughout the course of that time, I am planning my day in God. I am planning who is going to get the most of my time. Folks, I can let problems perplex me, or I can let grace grab me. I can let hurts hinder me, or I can let hope help me. See, I've got to make a plan. I have to purposely plan if I'm going to walk in peace. And I can promise you that most of us in this room, are not doing that. Matthew chapter 6. Starting out with the 25th verse. And it's got so much more to say. The writer is writing several things. And then the 
word would say here in the 25th verse, that is why I tell you not to worry. He's got a plethora of things that we're caught up in, we're concerned about, we are weighed down with. Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me tell you something. If the weight you're carrying is too heavy, it's not the weight that God meant for you to carry. I think this is the weight you're wanting me to carry. What is the issue? You know what I've just done? I've planned to bring peace into my life. I might be carrying burdens, weights, circumstance, situations, people. Remember when I was talking about patience? One of the things I said is people can try your patience. Look at somebody next to you and say, man, does he know what he's talking about? This is why I tell you not to worry. And I want you to underline these next three words about everyday life. Folks, life is life. And there's nothing you're going to do about life unless you plan. There's an old adage. If you fail to plan, you might as well plan to fail. This is what life does. See, whether you have enough, he says, food or drink or enough clothes to wear. And then God begins to get to the root of the matter. He said, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? And I love how God speaks. He just goes to the simplistic of things. He said, look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in the barns. And he said, I take care of them. Aren't you more valuable than all of them? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Why do you get so caught up in what you're going to wear? He said, look at the lilies of the valley. He said, Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God so wonderfully takes care of the wild flowers, how much more is he going to take care of you? And I want you to underline this next phrase. Why do you have such little faith? Why do we forget to plan God into our lives? Then he goes on to say, don't worry about these things, what you eat, what you should wear. And I want you to underline this next phrase, church. These are the things that dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. This is why the world is so full of stress and pressure. No peace. My wife has a sticker, not a sticker, a license plate on her car. Well, she doesn't have one on this one yet because we're waiting for the plates. But she has this plate or frame that says, no peace, no Jesus. 
or no Jesus, no peace. N-O Jesus, N-O peace. And the other part of the frame says, no Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W Jesus, K-N-O-W peace. And then God tells us right here in very simple words in the 34th verse how to have peace. I could stop my whole sermon right there. Don't say anybody say amen either. Look what he says. Seek first my kingdom above everything else and live righteously. That presence that the word of the Lord was saying. That presence is right relationship with God. Live righteously. And look what he says he'll do. What's it say? He'll give you everything you need. Oh, it's not that simple. Sure it is. Sure it is. He owns it all. Oh, no, Bill Gates owns it. Really? God could pull his breath in a second. Who's going to own it then? See, the Bible says when you work your whole life for all this stuff and then you die, Solomon said, man, this is, this is crazy. Then it's left to people who don't even have value in it. Seek first his kingdom. Live righteously. And he said, I'll take care of all this stuff. And then I love the way that the passage ends. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems. Can I tell you that tomorrow is the today you worried about yesterday? You're going to always be in tomorrow. And you're going to always have a yesterday and you're going to always have a today. What are you doing today that's going to make a difference tomorrow that's going to let go of yesterday? There's the difference. I, I remember reading a story about a young, a young man. And he, he likened his relationship with God as a bicycle ride. A bicycle ride through life. And he said, at first I saw God as an observer. You know, my judge kind of keeping track of the things I did, right or wrong, you know, to merit whether I make heaven or, or I miss heaven and go to hell. He said, I kind of, I looked at him as some kind of dignitary. You know, he's a, he's a guy, you knew his name when you saw his picture, but you didn't really know him personally. You knew he's in charge. And then he said, I started thinking about my relationship with God. And I realized that he and I are on a bike ride, but it's kind of one of those tandem bikes. You remember those tandem bikes? Anybody ever rode one? Did anybody ever cheat when you were on the front pedals and let the guy in the back do the most of the pedal? Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, the young man, he was thinking about it. And he was thinking about how burdensome and how troublesome the ride was. And then he said, I don't know exactly when it happened, but it did. Me and God changed places. He started taking charge. I started letting go. And he said, man, the ride became so exciting. He was leading. And he said, you know, God knows bike tricks. He knows these paths, and, and man, we'd go down at breakneck speed, and I'd get nervous, and I'd say, God, do you know what we're doing? And he said, pedal. (laughs) 
the guy said, I kind of forgot my boring life. And I entered into a brand new adventure. Would I turn around and say, God, I, I, or I'd look up and say, God, I'm scared. He just leaned back and touched my hand. He took me to people who had gifts that I needed. Gifts of, of healing and acceptance and joy and, oh, yes, peace. And he gave me those gifts to take on my journey. Our journey. God and mine. And then we were off again. We'd come to these places and God would say, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage. Can I tell you something? That gift that God gave you will burden you down if you don't do with it what God told you to do. And that is to give it away. Too many of us try to grab a hold of our gifts and hoard into them and just get more and more and more. Remember that wagon, that, that burden full of, wa- that wagon full of burdens? Part of those things are the things God gave you. God said, you're supposed to give them away. The man that would lose his life would save it. But the one that tries to keep his life will ultimately lose it. Well, at first he said, I, I, I really didn't trust God control of my life I thought he was going to wreck us but like I already said he knows bike secrets and man he knows how to dodge sharp corners and, and large rocks and he'd go at breakneck speed through carry passages and, and you know I'm learning to shut up and pedal and just let God take the wheel I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze in my face with my delightful, constant companion. And when I'm afraid that I can't do it anymore, God just touches my head and says, Paddle. In your notes, and if you're new here today in your bulletin, if you didn't get a bulletin, I'd encourage you to. Because I put my notes in there every week. Anytime we have a speaker in this platform, uh, we, we strive purposely to get notes in there because we don't want you just to listen to us speak. Hopefully we sound okay. But we want you to get into God's Word. And so you can take the notes with you and you can study. We record this every week on podcast. You can sit down on your radio. It's all free. You can download it or just listen to it. And you can go through the whole sermon again. Number one in your notes. And, and I put this purposely, number one. Because if you don't start here, you might as well just close it up and go home. Don't take life too serious. Relax and trust God. Now, please, that sounds so trite. But it is the truth that we fail in so much. It is the truth that we fail in. We carry too much. We keep too much. That's why we fall flat on our face. That It burdens us. It weighs us down. God says, let go. Come on, guys. Come on, girls. Can I tell you one of Christianity's greatest downfalls is we take life more serious than we take God. 
He's told us if you'll just trust me with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but if you would just acknowledge me in everything you do, I'll take that high place, I'll bring it down. I'll take that low place, I'll, I'll make the road straight. Christians are quite amazing how we take easy things and make them hard. I remember reading a story about this world that we live in. I I don't know if you've noticed, but since we've crossed over into the 21st century, man, everybody's looking for deeper truths. I remember when we first hit the year 2000, everybody said the whole world's going to crash. Everything's going to crash. They had everything set on a time clock. And at 2000, they weren't, they didn't know what to do. Can I tell you something? 2000 didn't take God by surprise. He knew exactly what to do. The clock turning over didn't bother God a minute. I remember reading the story about these three guys that were out uh, in the woods. They were out camping and they were doing different things. It was kind of an odd trio. They had a theologian, a psychologist, and an engineer. They were traveling in the woods, and all of a sudden, as is the custom of the woods, you know, the tradition of the woods, if you get weary, resting, or restful, you need a place to, to uh, kind of get out of the, the elements. And there's a cabin there. You're, you're free and welcome to come in. So the three, they saw this cabin in the middle of the woods. They knocked on the door. There wasn't an answer. Well, they grabbed the knob, and it was open. They unlocked, so they all went in. Well, nothing was surprising about the cabin except the stove. The stove in the middle of the cabin, large pot belly made of cast iron. But what was bizarre about it, I mean, nothing bizarre about a pot belly stove, but what was bizarre about it, it was, a, it was hanging from the ceiling with wire. Oh, man, it got the mines working. The engineer was calculating. The theologian was speculating. And the psychologist, he's just trying to figure out why he's even there. Any psychologist people, please, please don't, don't, don't take offense. That's all I need is about psychology majors to come up afterwards. Do you really realize? Uh, no. Well, they started looking at the potbelly stove hanging by the wires and the psychologist spoke up first and he said fascinating it's obvious that this lonely trapper isolated from humanity has elevated his stove so he can curl up underneath it in a vicariously a vicarious position experiencing a return unto the womb nonsense said the engineer The man is practicing the laws of thermodynamics. By elevating the stove, he discovered a way to distribute the heat more evenly through the cabin. Not to be undone, the theologian had to speak up. With all due respect, gentlemen, I'm sure that hanging his stove from the ceiling has more of a religious connotation. And then he began to espouse. Fire lifted up has been a religious symbol for centuries. Well, the three debated the point for several minutes that turned into an hour or two without resolving the issue when finally the owner of the cabin arrived. 
Immediately the three men, all thinking they had the correct answer, they questioned him about the pot-belly stove hanging from the ceiling. His answer was very succinct and very quick. Had plenty of wire, little stovepipe. Case ended. You see, as I shared in talking about patience, all things are not as they seem. Yet things can very well be as they seem. As I said a moment ago, Christians are quite amazing in this. They know who holds the future, but most live as if they didn't. That's why God says, just relax. I got it all in control. I love to put it this way. Though I don't know what tomorrow holds, I rest confidently in the one that holds tomorrow. Let's go back to our text, Matthew 6. Don't worry about these things, he says. What you eat, what you should wear. These are the things that dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever. Let me give you the Flagstaff rendition of that. Chill out. There are going to be problems, but life consists more of forest fires, monsoons, and winter storm whiteouts. Charlie Brown and Lucy, I love getting wisdom from the Peanuts gang. And Charlie Brown and Lucy and and Linus were all having a great discussion one day, and, and uh, Lucy uh, speaks up, and, and they were all pondering life. And, and Lucy noticed that Charlie Brown has always got this worrisome look about him. And, and she decided to break the ice one day and said, Charlie, what are you so worried about? And Charlie Brown responded to her, well, we're afraid of the future. Well, Lucy, being the psychoanalyst, she said, okay, well, what, 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 what are you afraid of? Tomorrow, Friday, next week, next month, anything particular? Well, Linus, being the, 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 uh, the, uh, um, the guy that thanks all the time. The what? The intellectual, thank you. Cerebral. Cerebral. That's the word I was thinking of. Folks, you, you, get me t- you get me talking, my tongue gets in front of my eye teeth. I can't see what I'm talking about. It's Yeah, some of you will get that when you leave today. Linus spoke up and said, uh, no, 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 no. We're not worried about anything particular. We're kind of uh, worried about everything. We have a very broad-minded view when it comes to worry. How many know Christians like that? How many know, I, I, I started to say, how many know people like that? But the truth is, there's a lot of Christians like that. Can I, can I give you a picture that I relate to when it comes to life? Life is kind of like a piano. If you get somebody that don't have a clue what a piano can do, they'll get up there and they'll beat on that, and they'll bring great discord But if you get somebody that understands the piano and, and knows how to operate the piano... They get beautiful harmony when they sit at the piano. Life's kind of like that. If you begin to understand that God is in control of life, it'll dish out some of the most melodious beauty that you could ever imagine. But if you just ramrod through life and never include God, just like that guy with the double bicycle, when he was in charge, everything was a mess. But as soon as he traded place with God, it started going nice not without problem he said god i'm scared god i'm concerned god i'm this god i'm that and god said trust me folks we need to lighten up 
We need to stop taking life so serious. You say, well, I got to pay my bills. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Do you have bills that need to pay? Or do you have bills that you have no need to have? I mean, you know, you can buy a $100,000 truck. It's not going to get you any further than a $20,000 truck. You can live in a million-dollar house. It's not going to keep you drier than a $200,000 house. i got to be careful. My first house that I bought was $24,000, so i got to be careful with the numbers I use here. So sometimes, yeah, I'm showing my age. <clears throat> if you heard that, it was my wonderful wife speaking up. But think about it. Are some of those burdens we're carrying behind us things that maybe God wasn't involved in? We just were trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know what happens when you keep up with the Jones? The minute you catch up, they refinance. Let me go on here. Ladies and gentlemen, you're worth more than an ulcer. At least God says you are. Maybe it's time to downsize a little bit. You say, Pastor, well, this is all very, very good. But what's it have to do about peace? It's called planning for peace. It's called planning. Well, yeah, it's very, you know, instrumental. I understand that. But how do I? You've got to get God involved in your life. Try to say, God, stop saying, God, get involved in what I'm doing. Get involved in what God's doing. You see, a major Christian problem that we have in this world today is the amount that we think of ourselves. And I'm not talking about thinking of ourselves all the time. I'm talking about thinking of ourselves too little. Can I tell you something? We fail to remember how valuable we are to God. God created you and I in his image, didn't he? I think what I've learned is the real reason for the low self-esteem and the reason it's reached epidemic portions is because mankind as a whole has started putting so little value on themselves. And now their value is connected to a paycheck. Their value is connected to some kind of house or some kind of career or some kind of name or some kind of fill-in-the-blank. When God says, the value I placed in you was so much, I sent my son to die. Can I tell you what is critically on the rise? Euthanasia, infanticide, abortion. The value of human life is just wasting away. If you've watched the news lately, Canada. No, it was, not, it was, was it Canada or Europe? where the, the government got in and said, you can't save the baby's life. Is that Canada? Or UK? It's, you know, and, and it was interesting. Our president had to jump in and say, well, yeah, we're going to try. And so I, I read the news and followed it, and I, apparently he sent his own plane over to, now I, I don't know the outcome. But the reality, since when does the government say you can live or die? But yet that's what the world's going towards. When do we put a value on our life based on our abilities, based on our talents, or our inabilities or lack of talents? God said you're more valuable than a, than a 
million sparrows. Well, how come I don't believe that? Because you chose not to. See, I plan peace for my life. I plan God's presence. And for me to plan God's presence, I got to get out of my own. And I got to realize, God, you got a bigger plan for me than I have for myself. I remember years and years ago, there was a child. I think this was back in the 80s. And they were trying to get a heart transplant for this child. And, and, and uh, they, they couldn't find a donor. They couldn't find a donor. Well, finally, they did something that had never been done before. They transplanted a baboon heart into the child. How many remember that, that news? This had been many, many years ago. Can I tell you how many people picketed? How many animal rights activists stood up and said, That's terrible to save a baby's life? For a monkey's heart. Now please, if you're an animal rights person, I don't want to offend you. But think about it. I, I remember when I was pastoring in California, there was a woman that got mauled to death by a mountain lion, a lady hiker. Well, the woman had three children. They killed the lion that had two cubs. They did fundraisers for both of them. Guess which raised the most? The mountain lion raised millions. And the family could hardly even get by. We have a, a mixed up case of values. Can somebody say amen? Can I tell you something? God made you more valuable than those animals. I love animals. I, you know, I, I used to go hunting all the time. And we got lots of hunters in this. And I, I love to get the pictures when they're on there. And I've, I've seen them, you know. I don't do it anymore because I, I, I look at Bambi's eyes. I just can't do it. Now, you hunters don't even get caught up. I'm not. It's a, it's a fine thing. I don't have to worry about it. Just invite me over to have some elk or some deer or something. We, we're good. Uh, but anyway, so I just, you know, I, I did something yesterday. day before yesterday. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I did. I asked the Lord to forgive me. I was working in my yard. It's coming along really nice, by the way. I was working in my yard. Middle of the day. And a gopher had the audacity to be working in my yard at the same time. I'm come walking across the, the, the area and all of a sudden I see the dirt moving. I'm thinking, no, come on. And this gopher stuck his head out the hole. And I swear he stuck his tongue out at me. I mean, he's looking right at me and he stops. Well, the gopher didn't realize I just happened to have a shovel in my hand. Oh, I'm really offending people now, but but I felt horrible. I did. Immediately, I'm thinking, oh, I just killed that little gopher. I just, you know. It was very humane. 
and some eagle loved me for dinner. But God made you and I more important than the animals. Why don't we look at life correctly? (laughs) Ushers, will you remove that man, please? (laughs) Yeah, please, Carlos. I'm not even going to look. Let's bow our heads. We're done. (laughs) He's still sitting there, Carlos. How many appreciate Bob back there? Doesn't he do an awesome job? We'll talk later. Anyway, the scriptures record that God created, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yet, let me give you a breakdown. Several years ago, it's been about 15 years ago, they did a, uh, they they psychoanalyzed uh, people. And I love the way they broke it down. And they, they did this survey. 104 psychologists were surveyed. And they called it the timetable of anxiety. They said, what are the things that bother people at certain times of their lives? And they broke it down this way. It's in your notes. I left it there. When you're 18, it's all about identity. You're trying to find a place in this world. 20, it's all about appearance. 23, it's about a good impression. You're trying to get into a career, a workplace. In 26, the career is is really major on your mind. Well, at 30, it's your salary. 33 is job security. At 38, it's your children. If you haven't had children, you're thinking, I better do something. If you have had children, you're thinking, when are these guys going to be up and moved out? 41 is the purpose of life. When you hit 45 and older, You start thinking about your health. But can I tell you something? Youth is not a time of life. It's a state of mind. I've told people the older I get, the younger I am. If I could just convince my body of the same thing. But can I tell you something? Worry, self-doubt, fear, anxieties, these are the culprits that bow the head break the spirit, and steal the peace. 17 or 70. There exists in the heart of a person, every man, woman in in this building today, a thrill of a challenge, something new. What's around the corner? What's over the hill? The insatiable appetite of what's next. There are people that, that you would call them gypsies. You would call them vagabonds. They can't stay one place for any length of time. Why? Because there's something else out there. Something drawing them. Can I tell you the very first thing that's drawing you is God. And I, I want to share something with you. And I, I want you to hear me. A lot of people that have, if you want to call it a gypsy spirit, a vagabond spirit, are people that have never made peace with God. 
Why? Because they're looking for something that isn't there. They're looking to be fulfilled with things instead of him. Folks, I can be I can be completely satisfied. I don't care where I'm at. Why? Because he's there. And my relationship with him is where I base. It's not an age thing. It's a perspective. It's an attitude. It's a heart. And where that heart is focused. I remember Caleb in the Old Testament. The guy was 85 years old. They had just come out of the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua were best buds. They were one of the 12 uh, 12 spies that went in to the promised land. Ten came out and said, yeah, there's giants in the land. But two came out, Joshua and Caleb, yeah, sure is. But we can still take it. You know, I don't know about your giant, how big he is, but my God's bigger. So Caleb is 85 years old. Now they got it all settled. They're going to go in the promised land. And I can picture Caleb, he, he taps Josh on the shoulder. He said, Josh, hey, remember when he was in there? Remember that mountain I kept looking at? He said, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, Can I have it? 85 years old. Can I have it? He said, well, yeah, I'm sure you can. He said, do you realize that, the, that King Bashan and his kids live there? Yeah. And that's a problem. Why? You don't remember who Bashan? Sure. Goliath's dad. I, yeah. What's the big deal? You see, 85 years old, he didn't care. He knew who God was. He knew his relationship with God. Let me... Begin to wrap this up. We are worth more than anything. And God still says, you can do everything through me. The birds, the earth, all life. We need to begin to look at our value in the way God looks at our value. And in that, we will have peace. Stand solid. In the belief of who you are in Christ. Begin to look at your life as God looks at your life. And I promise you, you'll begin to walk in peace. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. First Peter chapter 5. The Bible says, resist the enemy steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings everybody's going through. The same sufferings everybody's going through. But God's grace, who called you to his eternal glory, underline these words, ladies and gentlemen, please, in your notes, after you've suffered a while. Does that mean God's going to put you through suffering? Does that mean God's going to put you through testing, through trials, through tribulation? Not at all. That just means that life is life. He said, but when you realize that I am your God, I will perfect you. I will establish you. I will strengthen. And then underline these last two words. I will settle you. That word established, I pulled it out particularly out of that verse. Because in the Greek, it literally means to make you resolute to the direction before you. If you're a child of God and you're dedicated to the Lord your God, 
Can I tell you something? I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at. If you will trust with all of your heart, God guarantees you'll get where you're going. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty substantial. When God puts his name on the line, you, know, you, might be put, you might be dealing with finances. God says if you trust him and put him first, I'm talking about tithing. Oh, the church talks too much about money. Oh, shut up. Don't talk anywhere as much as I should talk about it. You know, over 2,000 examples, Jesus talked about finances, tithing, and giving, and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to change my sermon real quick. All the time. More than faith, more than prayer, more than anything. God said, if you will just tithe, That's 10%. I know people say, oh, I'm tithing 1% right now. No, you're giving a 1% offering. Tithe means one-tenth. So anyway, what do you do, Ken? People say all the preachers worry about is their money. No, I'm just worried about your well-being, which if you don't put God first in your money, you will never have well-being. Okay. So God said this. He said, if you will do that, and folks, listen to this. God said, I, God, will rebuke the devourer. How many know when God starts rebuking, you got some legs to stand on? God wants you to understand. God wants all of us to understand. That if we will stand solid in Him, we will have peace I want to put the serenity prayer up there this is a prayer that we've known forever and ever and I'm going to close there folks don't get wigged out there's more notes in there but I'm not going to go with them you can read them look at this is it up there Bob the serenity prayer did I put it in your notes let me read it to you God grant me the strength to change what I can, the courage to accept what I can't. And this is the catcher, the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. It's called planning for peace. There's a lot in this world I can't do anything about, folks. So why do I let it bother me? You ever seen that, you ever seen that saying, you can't fix stupid now, don't give me any elbows out there. I, come on, I don't want you. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of stupid stuff in life. Can I tell you something? Stupid has sat in my chair a lot of times. Okay. Pastor, are you calling me stupid? If it's in your chair, go for it. You can't change it. You can't fix some things. And that's called life. You gotta be okay with that. Oh, my, my job, my boss, my this. Quit. Change jobs. First, 
The job's usually not the problem. Right. The problem is we're working for the wrong boss. See, the Bible says, do all you do as unto the If on that job, when they look at you, you're not the best employee there, it's a relationship problem, and it's not with your local boss. Because Jesus said, we're supposed to be an example. See, all I'm saying is, I'm planning for peace. On my job, I'm going to be the best worker imaginable. Well, pastor, they're going to get all the rest of the people mad at you. That matters why. It'll get you to the place that you're going to need to be. Now these other people that are upset are working for you. Folks, we got to start looking at life the way it is. It is life. When I get up tomorrow morning, I'm getting up victorious. Amen. Well, you don't know what you're going to face. It doesn't matter. God already faced it. I'm guaranteed to be victorious. Well, what if it all falls apart? Praise the Lord. God's got another door to walk through. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. Because I rest assured in the one that holds tomorrow. God grant me the strength to change what I can. The courage to accept what I can't and the wisdom to know the difference you want peace so look at me today is your life full of stress is your life full of struggle are you dragging something behind you carrying something on your shoulders that is just weighing you down. And you wonder, what do I do about it? First and foremost, you give it to the one who can do something about it. And his name is not you. I want to open these altars just for a moment. And I, I, want, to, I want to challenge you. You're walking under a yoke. If you, if you know anybody, I was raised on a farm. I was raised, you know, with animals. And we did not have a, a, a yoke of oxen or, or, or a yoke of horses. But, but I understood a lot about yoking things. Yoking means joining together. And you've seen them in old westerns where you had a, a big wooden harness type thing. Or you saw the harnesses around the, the I know what you recognize, the Clydesdale horses. Everybody knows them. Clydesdales. Oh, you mean the Budweiser horses? I was trying to be a little more better in church. Yeah, those are called yokes. Okay, they're not the wooden yokes, but they're harnesses. And do you know that every single yoke is specifically made for the animals that use them? Why? To make them easy. You know what God said? My yoke is easy. What you're going through I have a yoke completely designed for you that you can bear up under it. And that burden, ah, don't worry. I nailed it all to the cross. Oh, there's going to be some weight, but it's not going to be what it could be. If you trust me, it'll only be what it should be. My yoke is easy. 
My burden is light. If you're carrying stuff, if you're, you got perplexities, you got uh, uh, uncertainties, you got questions, you got stuff, will you do me a favor? Will you get out of your seat and come put them at the place where they should be? This altar. God said, cast all your care on me because I care for you. He's here today to lift every burden. He's here today to cast every yoke. But you got to let him. Come on. The Spirit's, there's a whole lot more folks that need to be, well, you know, Pastor, if I get out of there, people are going to think things. Folks, let them think what they want. I'm getting deliverance. I'm getting healing. I'm getting help. These altars are for you. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.